to another episode of We Did That Shit Podcast, where we talk about who did some shit, what we learned from shit, and how we got through some shit. I'm Maya. And I'm Babi. Podcast family, you are the shit, and we appreciate you. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. If you like our company, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor, and YouTube. You can also follow us on all social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at We Did That Shit. Hey, Maya. Hey, girl. What's up? Before we get started, we need to introduce a special guest that we have with us. You heard us talk about him on several occasions. He's shown us love since we started the show. We've been on his show. He's a fellow podcaster, a blogger, former football star, let him tell it, a father, a husband, and an all-around great guy. We call each other podcast cousins. So without further ado, welcome Kyle from the 12 Kyle Podcast to the show. Hey. What's up? What's up? What's up? I am very happy to be here. Oh my gosh, what a great intro! I need, to, I need a copy of that and need to hand it to my wife so she'll recognize it. She All of the stuff yeah. you got going on, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it is great to be here. This is obviously hands down one of my favorite podcasts, and I'm not just saying that just because you guys have me here, but uh. It's, it's it's truly an honor, and I'm I'm glad you guys had me on it. I'm I'm looking forward to it. This is gonna be fun. Yes, it is. Thank you so much for uh, blessing us with your company uh, oh, for this oh. show. So, how was your week? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Because <laughs> <laughs> nobody ever asks how your week is. They always ask how how your day was. Right. Uh, the week was pretty cool. Um, uh, I live here in Atlanta, so we had the Super Bowl here. Uh, so it was really, really cool having the Super Bowl in town. Um, I, I think I can speak for the entire city when I say thank you for coming, but everybody, please leave. Uh, I know the traffic was crazy. Oh, yeah, traffic was crazy. And traffic's always crazy here. Uh, but when you add a million more people you know, visiting mm-hmm. throughout the week, uh, that makes it that much more adventurous, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was cool. It was cool because we hadn't had a Super Bowl here uh, in 19 years. So uh, it was really the weather. We had a threat of snow like last Tuesday. But other than that, the weather was perfect. Um, I didn't go to the Super Bowl, but, uh, you know, kind of got a chance to hang out and kick it a little bit. And uh, it was cool. It was cool. I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to them having it back. Uh, so the week was good. Uh, went by pretty fast. I finished the week. Me and the family, we went to go see our oldest son, Dion, who's in college at Alabama A&M University, and he went over on his band fraternity. Oh, uh, nice. Congratulations. So he is a member of the National Band Fraternity Kappa Kappa Psi. So it was good seeing him. We hadn't seen him since Christmas, so 
Um, he's a sophomore there. And, uh, you know, th- th- it was it was really funny just being back on a college campus and just seeing the whole fraternity life and stuff like that. So that was real cool. So. Um, so, yeah, it was a great week. It was a great week. Nice. Nice. Congratulations oh, they, to your son. You. They about to kick you out the middle class. Kids <laughs> <laughs> in college and care doing. Hey. Yeah, that. Oh, trying to make up. it happen. That's what's up. How was so, your week? Me, my week. Um. Let me see what I did this week, because, you know, again, I don't remember what I did on Monday. My week was cool. It was slow, fast, but slow. So I didn't do anything really major. i um, going to see Avanelli. Mm. Um, yes. Did he? I'm just saying. You didn't. Here's the thing. I did. I said. He oh, talked okay. about this. And you didn't say you were getting tickets. The you... last time they came, we went together. Can I talk? <laughs> you asked me how my week was. Right. I was saying that I was going to see Alvin Ellie. I was happy. You know, mm-hmm. you said out your mouth, oh, when they come to Philly, I'm going to go see them there. So I thought that meant, well, you going on your own and then I'm going on my own. That's what I thought. So that's why I went ahead and I just got tickets because mm-hmm. that's what you said. Mm-hmm. But other, yeah, my week was good. I mean, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> thanks. My week is pretty good. How about you? How was your week? I need glasses. And you know, this is going to turn into a whole ordeal. I went to the eye doctor because, you know, I'm about to go to law school and I'm going to need to read a lot more. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to be able to read for hours and hours and hours and I just can't do it anymore. So I just wanted to make sure everything was OK. And it's probably because I'm just lazy. But he was like, yeah, you need glasses, you know, sooner rather than later. I'm going to write mm-hmm. you this prescription. And so, you know how I am by it. And I'm just then tried on 8000 pair of glasses and it's I, mm, it is you, not looking. Good. You got to wear glasses every day. Or yeah, just- I don't need them to read. But I need that my my right eye is like super over accommodating for the left and it puts a strain on it. I feel it. I Mm. thought I was having some pressure problems or something, but it's not that he said, I'm okay. I just need to get those glasses on to give my eyes a rest and that will take care of all the things that I'm feeling. So, you know, me and Kimmy didn't plan the day of shopping to just try to get glasses. Yeah. (laughs) The dry on glasses all darn day. You'll be but, fine. At least you cute. So it may not well, like saying that people with glasses ain't cute, but well, you, you cute. So glasses just is going to add to it's just an accessory. Well, That's you know, I'm trying to look intelligent anyway. You know, you know, men, you know, men are attracted to women in glasses, but I'm getting red oh, glasses yeah. too, Kyle. I'm getting red glasses. <laughs> just have a red dress, blue <laughs> glasses. You pulling us up on game. You pulling red. us up on game. Get a red dress with red glasses and red shoes with a there red hat. There you Damn. go. I like it. I like it. There you go. Next thing you know, we're going to a wedding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't wait for that. Oh, Maya, it's time for our Black History Highlight. It is. So, you know, we are still in the month of February. It's Black History Month, one of my favorite times of the year. So, this week, I'm highlighting the Reverend Florence Sparing Randolph. She was one of the first black women ordained as to preach and lead an African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church. Okay. Reverend Randolph used her position in the pulpit to call out racism, gender inequality, and other issues related to social reform. She was born in August 1866 in Charleston, South Carolina, moving north to New Jersey to work as a dressmaker in the late 1800s. 
Preaching became Randolph's true calling, and she sought to become ordained in the AMEZ church. The resistance from the bishops and church leaders was strong, but she was eventually ordained as a deacon in 1901 and as a church leader in 1903, where she also gained her license to preach. In 1925, Reverend Randolph was elected to lead Wallace Chapel's AMEZ Church in Summit, New Jersey. She became known for her powerful lectures and sermons and famously preached that white people mistreating black people across the nation went against the very root of Christianity. Mm. Mm. Reverend Randolph was the first black woman to enroll in Drew University in New Jersey. And there is now an annual award named after her given to a black female student who shows promise as a church leader and preacher. So bravo to you, Reverend Florence Sparing Randolph. All right. Now, you know, um, the AME Zion Church, that's Catherine, Candace and Faith's denomination, too. OK, they belong Their Their dad is a, a pastor in that church. Yeah. And Catherine's going to be preaching soon enough. Yeah. I thought that this was very interesting because especially in that time. But even now you have a lot of resistance for women um, in the pulpit. And so mm-hmm. she fought against that. And ultimately did what her true calling was. And so I thought that that was very, very interesting when I read it. I think that's really dope. I I actually grew up in the AME church and I, until you just said that, I like, I I was, I was thinking like, did we ever have any women come? I I can't ever remember a woman coming to preach or anything like that. It was kind of, I don't want to say it was frowned upon, but it was just like, I don't think it was socially acceptable. Right. Um, and that was in South Carolina where I grew up. So, wow, that's that's what's up. That great uh, black history fact right there. Yeah. Well, Carl, we know you grew up in South Carolina, but you were New Jersey. <laughs> Don't be trying to get away from your roots. Boo. It's right around here. You know, we are the vibe. I, I was know, born in New Jersey. Talking. I grew up in South Carolina. That's right. That's but right. you was born in New Jersey. Right. Yeah. Jersey. Yeah. So we claiming you right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Shout out to Newark. Yes. Well, speaking of shout out to Newark. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, our boy didn't threw his hat in. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm so excited. So just like we introduced Kamala Harris, we are going to introduce Senator Cory Booker again. We are not trying to tell people who to vote for. We just want to encourage people to get to know the candidates, because if you don't vote, it's a vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, so get to know someone. So Cory Booker was born on April 27th, 1969. He's going to be 50 this year, y'all. Cory Booker was raised in Harrington Park, Bergen County, living his life. He lives his life as a proud New Jerseyan. After graduating from Northern Valley Regional High School, Booker received his undergraduate degree from Stanford University, Ivy League where he played on the football team. While at Stanford, he was also awarded a Rhodes Scholarship and went to study at the University of Oxford, where he received an honors degree in history. Booker then completed his education at Yale Law School, receiving his Juris Doctorate in 1997. After law school, Booker moved to Newark, where he still lives today and started a nonprofit organization to provide legal services for low-income families and help tenants take on slumlords, improve their living conditions, and stay in their homes. 
At the age of 29, Booker was elected to the Newark City Council from the city's central ward. In the 17 years since, Booker has worked tirelessly at the local and national levels to improve the lives of New Jerseyans and Americans. Starting in 2006, Booker proudly served as Newark's mayor for more than seven years. During his tenure, the city entered its largest period of economic growth since the 1960s. In addition, overall crime declined and the, and the quality of life for its residents improved due to initiatives such as more affordable housing, new green spaces and parks, increased educational opportunities and more efficient city services. And I also want to add in here before we get to him being a senator, while he was mayor of Newark on April 13th, 2012, Cory Booker went home to find his neighbor's house on fire. He went in the house and carried his neighbor out, saved her life and was treated for smoke inhalation on that day. I mean, if a hero don't need to be president, I don't know who does. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> on October 16th, 2013, Booker won a special election to represent New Jersey in the United States Senate. On November 4th, 2014, Senator Booker was reelected to a full six-year term. As New Jersey's junior senator, Cory Booker has bought an innovative and bipartisan approach to tackling some of the most difficult problems facing New Jersey and our country. He has proven his steadfast commitment to standing up for what matters most to New Jerseyans. Booker has also emerged as a national leader in a congressional push for common sense criminal justice reform, advocating for front end sentencing reforms, pushing for banning of the juvenile solitary confinement in federal prisons, and spearheading legislation to make the hiring process fairer for formerly incarcerated people. Booker has also partnered with colleagues on both sides of the aisle to create a number of economic proposals from increased small business investment to apprenticeship programs with the hope of fostering greater economic mobility and opportunity for individual Americans. Cory Booker's parents were married for 49 years when his father passed in 2013. He does have an older brother. His name is Cary Booker Jr. He's two years older than him, and Cory considers him his third parent. Meet Cory Booker, everybody. He is running for president 2020. Yes. And I ain't telling you what to do, but he got my vote. <laughs> <laughs> he got my vote, too. I have seen what Cory Booker has done for New Jersey mm -hmm. and how he brought Nork, how he brought so much money into Nork. Um, interesting fact about Cory Booker as well is, you know, he lived in the housing projects for about seven years in mm -hmm. Newark. So what I like about Cory Booker is he is for the people, about the people, and he actually gets down and dirty with the people, you know. Mm -hmm. He's not one of them kind of people that's like, oh, I'm from here, and then they move away. He's actually still in the community. You know, he had, he lives in Washington now in like a basement apartment, but the time where he lived in the housing projects, and like you say, he still owns a home in Newark. So I really like that about Cory Booker. And for those of you out there who want to get to know a little bit more about Cory Booker and see how he was as a mayor in Newark, he has a, a docu-series on, it's on Netflix now, it's called uh, Brick City. So 
get out there and watch that and you can see a little bit more of who he is in that docu-series. And, you know, Cory Booker, when he was living in that project, he also did that um, trial where he lived off of food stamps for a month. Mm-hmm. You know, he was trying to show the people in politics that people can't feed themselves for a whole month on the amount of food stamps that you give them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, shout out to Cory. What you think, okay. Kyle? You don't hey, have to I, tell people who you vote for. Hey, but, I don't you know. have to. T- I don't. I don't have to tell anybody who to vote for. But I can tell you who you shouldn't vote for. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A B T. Anybody but Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm very familiar with Cory Booker. I th- I think the young brother is very impressive. Uh, I think one of the things that always stood out to me about him is that he comes off as a man of the people. And I think people can working class citizens can relate to him. He's not some, you know, rich tycoon that wants to just, you know, get out there and just talk down to people. Uh, when people can identify with the struggle and and see what you've done and see what you've become, uh, you you kind of set an example. You know, very similar to you know what uh, former President Barack Obama did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, we, when you if you elect a guy like Cory Booker, I think what happens is when you turn on the TV, that's somebody that you can be proud of. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Unlike, you know, unlike today, when you turn on the TV, it's just a joke. Right. Know? Right. Exactly. Right. We out here looking like clowns. <laughs> right. <laughs> we are. So, yeah, he, he, he would definitely get my vote. So I just want to I'm going to read this one snippet that's going to lead us into our topic, because today we are talking about growing pains and coming of age. So we're going to start with Mr. Booker's contribution. He called, said he couldn't be with us today. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) So they got me to fill in for him. Right. Right. (laughs) You somebody. Okay. So Corey says, I remember in 1984, I was playing my first varsity football game as a sophomore in high school. It was opening day for Old Tappan, our biggest game against our rival, Democrats. My brother was a lineman and I was a wide receiver. On one play, I shot downfield on a post pattern. The quarterback met somebody, unloaded a bomb to me. I laid out for the pass, catching it right before it hit the ground. But the referee called it incomplete. To this day, I know I caught that pass. And at age 15, I was outraged at the injustice of the ref. I got up and began yelling at the official. But before I can get far into my tantrum, someone grabbed me from behind, dragged me back. It was my brother, and he lit into me with a rare ferocity of tone telling me unequivocally that I was to never argue with an official. He dragged me back down the field, yelling at me about conduct, honor, and attitude. Even if I was right about the catch, I was dead wrong in how I was behaving. That was the first and last time I ever raised my voice, argued, or disrespected a referee. No matter how much I may have believed they got something wrong in my football career. Impressive. Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, I was like, get off me, boy. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. But it just shows the amount of reverence he has for his brother, mm-hmm. you know? So today we're going to talk about coming of age, and Kyle, I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I cannot wait for your responses. So here's the first question. When did you realize there was a difference between boys and girls? And we're not talking anatomically, you know. 
Like, even though sometimes for boys, it's the same thing. If they like girls, mm-hmm. they figure that anatomical thing first. But when did you realize there was a difference between boys and girls? I think I was probably about five, four or five. I remember Fresh. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I mean, I, I, hey, this is a keep it real show. I'm gonna keep it real here. Um, I think I was probably about five. Uh, you know, when you're young like that, you just play, so you don't really think about, you know, how you should be playing or what you should be playing. So I just, re- I distinctly remember getting in trouble uh, for pulling a girl's hair, and I didn't, you know, I, nobody told me we weren't supposed to. We were just, I just, we were standing in line, and I never forget, and I just pulled her hair and she was like ouch and she was you know started to cry or whatever like that and she was like Kyle pulled my hair <laughs> and I was like you know because I didn't have any hair for her to, I had a little afro I mean I ain't had enough for her to pull but I think it was that moment that and, and my teacher kind of pulled me to the side like look you can't do that right and you know little boys at four or five years old we just like to just run into each other and just crash in each other and just right. we're very uh what's the word I'm looking for aggressive <laughs> <laughs> so I remember my teacher, Miss um, Laura May. I don't know mm. what her last name was, but we called her Miss Laura May. She pulled me to the side and she was like, look, you can't do that. So, um, so yeah, that that was the first time that I remember like a difference be- between boys and girls. The girl had long hair and I just realized like you you can't just rough girls up. You know, it's, it's, it's not that, that, that type of program. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say five. Dang, you got a good ass memory. Let me just say that. Because I, I was sitting here thinking, like, what was my first memory? That's like when people would be like, you remember so-and-so? And I'm thinking, like, no, I was two. I don't. You know what I mean? Like, I, you I, know, remember. My, I, I remember certain things. Now, mm-hmm. my better half will tell you that I don't remember, like, that that I was supposed to take the trash out, but right. I can but I can tell you what <laughs> you, you know. Yeah, I could exactly <laughs> I could tell you what the giant what the score was to the Giants game back in 1985. So right. it's, it, it's just one of those things. Mm. Right, I would say I think that when I first realized it was the difference between boys and girls, it was like when my brother came home from when he was born. Okay, because I remember it, he was different than me. You know, like when you look at your mom changing the pamper or, you know, when we grew up a little bit and he was, you know, going to the bathroom, standing up and I was sitting down and that that was kind of like the time when I realized it was a difference between boys and girls when we're talking about anatomy. But when I realized that it was a difference between boys and girls, I was in the second grade, Miss Tennant's class. I do Mm. that. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Tennant. I think she died too, but um, damn. No, because I was no, because I was just thinking she died recently. Because I think she was still teaching up into like a few years ago. But I remember a boy kicking me because y'all are aggressive, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Very I much so. A boy kicking me in the um second grade, and I looked at Miss Tennant like I'ma beat his ass, mm-hmm. you know, because. I'm aggressive too at the mm-hmm. time. Not in my life now, y'all. I'm not aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, don't listen to the past shows. I'm not aggressive. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, I remember feeling like you kicked me. I'm gonna kick you because my mom said when when somebody hits you, you hit them back. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to chase him. He was running faster. I was trying to slam him. He wouldn't go. You know that type of thing. So it was like, well, this is a difference between boys and girls because they're a little stronger 
than I am. That was the difference. Like I couldn't rough him up the way that I felt like he roughed me up. So that was when I felt there was a difference. my, my story is nothing like that. Now, listening to your experience, Kyle, I'm thinking in my head, like, of all the people's hair you pulled, you pulled the little punk girl drama queen's hair. <laughs> because if you was in Camden, she'd have been beat you up before right. she even right. told right. the teacher. You know what I mean? Like, what? Uh-uh. He and was pulling my hair. <laughs> exactly. So, if you had you been in Newark, <laughs> it would have been a whole different, right. different Totally different story. story. Exactly. But I think, um, like, anatomically, I guess, you know, I always knew that boys and girls were different. But, I mean, I didn't start, like, liking boys, so I never did anything different. I didn't really start liking boys till high school. I was always, like, a tomboy and one of the boys. And um, when we used to have, like, parties, like, little sleepovers and stuff like that, boys and girls came. But my sister kind of knew, like, it wasn't normal but that's just how it was. So I just thought, oh, you know, you know, that's my girlfriend. That's my boyfriend. You know, it just wasn't any difference to me. So I and I still operate sometimes in that naivete that guys are different than us. But I remember one time and this is a true story and uh, I'm still friends with the person today. So I was in the 10th grade. And this is back when long distance costs money. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I was talking it still to this costs boy. money if you get a landline, but go ahead. If I was talking to this boy and, um, you know, school was about to let out. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll talk to you in about two weeks because I'm going to Virginia. I don't know how long we stay in this time, whatever, because we've always I have a sister that grew up in Virginia. My grandma lived in Virginia. So we went like a few times a year to Virginia and um. And he was like, Virginia. And I said, yeah. Um, I was like, you know, I'll call you when I get back. And he was like, oh, that sounds nice. I would like to go or something he said about like and go. So I just asked my mom because like I said, you know, boys and girls, it was just like no big deal. So I was like, my mom was like, well, how old is he? I was like, oh, he's 18. She was like, does he have a driver's license? And I said, do you have a driver's license? And he was like, yeah. And so my mom was like, oh, good. He can help me drive. So it was. It was my mom and my great grandmother, me, my sister, him, and Marcus. Marcus was like two years old, Maya. Mm-hmm. And so we get to Virginia and um we go to get our room because you know we stayed, we always stayed in the hotel as long as they had a pool and all this other kind of stuff. Like me and Tisha had our routine. That's my sister. So we go, my mom was like, go ahead. And we had Marcus, me and Tisha. So I was like, well, come on. And he was looking at me like, I'm going. And I was like, yeah, where was this guy? <laughs> like, what is wrong with this guy? So we go in the room, me and Tisha hurry up, change our clothes, get our baby suits on, get Marcus dressed and everything, you know. And this dude is like taking products out his bag, putting them up on the dresser. <laughs> we just looking wow. at him like, what in the world is wrong with this guy? So we, you know, we was like, come on. So we go out, play, whatever. Anyway, it's nighttime. It's time to go to bed. And play? He, Y'all was in the 10th grade. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, play? Hey, I was thinking the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, we so, was out, we went to we play. We played, play. we was outside playing in the pool, whatever. We was outside swimming. <laughs> so it was, anyway, fast forward, it's time to go to bed that night. So he comes back into the room like, I'm staying here? And I was like, yeah. Like, I, I, I was like, it wasn't connected. So anyway, Tisha had gotten to bed with Marcus already, whatever. So he was, I was like, get to bed. Like, what's the 
big deal, whatever. So, oh my gosh, he starts touching me in the bed. I was like, oh, I don't do that. I was like, I don't, I don't do that. And do, and we had a great time. And when we came back, I didn't see him for seven years. Damn. Yeah, because what was you touching you in the bed for? Oh, I, I don't know, but I was like, I don't do that. I don't, I don't. What you trying to start or whatever? I don't do that. No, I wasn't fast. I don't, I don't. Mm-mm. Well, I guess he was confused, but and like now I know that. Yeah, because he got him in the bed with you. I mean, right. <laughs> and you was in the tenth grade. Like I you mean, we was outside playing. Now I, I told you that. get in the bed. What you thought was going to happen? He was so going to come up. Right. Like you know. All right. So that's I'm just saying. Like I was like, oh wow. Like people think I'm supposed to be doing this now. Like it was too much. So <laughs> that's what I definitely knew. There was a difference. Between boys and girls, like oh, okay, yeah, well, I was him, he, he handled that a whole lot better than I would have. What you, I mean, what you want to do? Force yeah, I, I, I was, I was a little fresh, so I, I probably would have tried to push the limits a little bit. I mean, come mm. on. <laughs> but wait a minute, wait, 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 real quick. Where were your, where was your mother? My mom and then it was that they had a room to themselves, and then we had a room. Like that's when we go down there. That's how we always do. Like and they let and they the let boy, him. And this is what I'm saying. This is why I was always like naive because when we had sleepovers, boys and girls came. Like we all slept in the living room, (laughs) but like the boys slept over here, the girls slept over here. We played games. We did all kinds of stuff all the time. Well, you know what it is. Too? I think your mother probably trusted you. My mom, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet. I love my mom to death. I, she wouldn't have done that for me because she wouldn't trust me. She knew, she yeah. knew her son. Right. She knew you was a fast ass. Exactly. My mom, <laughs> my mom must have knew I was Chrissy Snow because I was like, oh, what? Wow. Yeah, I was like, that's impressive. I'm just saying, I was, you know, I was a late bloomer. That's all I'm gonna say. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> okay. nothing wrong with it. <laughs> okay. Here's the next one. Can you recall an experience in elementary school that structured what you believe or do today? Anything that you believe or do today? That's me or Maya. No, that's you, Kyle. Okay, okay. Um, when I was in elementary school, I used to watch just you know, just like any other kid in the eighties. I used to watch a lot of TV, and um, you know, Saturday mornings we'd watch you know cartoons or whatever like that. You get your little, <laughs> you come to come in the room with your little drawers on, your little Superman mm-hmm. underoos. And, uh, you know, because my parents, you know, they slept in per se. But, uh, you know, so you watch TV. And and so, you know, thinking about it now, you know, you could be in front of the television probably for about, you know, two or three hours before your parents got up and started moving around. And maybe they left the house. Maybe they left you there. But they knew that, you know, Saturday mornings you're going to be in front of the TV watching uh, cartoons. And there was this program that used to come on. And it was it was a regional thing because I know if. Unless you're from South Carolina, you won't know what the hell I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But there was this program called, it was a guy named Mr. Knows It. <laughs> mm. And so Mr. Knows It, he had these little, you know, sayings or whatever. And it was this little cartoon that would come on. And at the end of the program, it was only like a 30-minute program. But at the end of the program, he would always say this one saying. Mm-hmm. And the saying that he said, it stuck with me. And it said, think positive act positive and you will become a positive person. Mm. And, mm. you know, it's an affirmation, but it was something that I took at like the age of seven and that always stuck with me. And, um, that was like the one experience I, I think when I think back to childhood that, you know, something that really, really stuck with me and, and that experience kind of shaped my, my way of thinking because I felt like, you know, I didn't want to, 
you know, not be positive about things because what it taught me at that particular time was like, no matter what happens, there's something positive that you can take from everything that happens to you. Mm. And, um, it was an early life lesson, early life lesson. And that was just like, it was, it was something that, you know, stuck with me. And I still kind of, I still, you know, believe that to this day. And I try to stay positive about everything. That's a good one. I was about to say that's yeah, it. That's, I got something for that. Right. <laughs> exactly. I damn sure wasn't thinking about that when I was a kid. That stuck with me. Think positive. It, what it was it again? Say it Think again. Think positive, act positive, and you will become a positive person. I need to adopt that in my life today. Yes. And, and I mean, and again, it was affirmation that that we got at the age. And like I said, I was probably about seven, six or seven. Mm-hmm. That was it. Well, go ahead, South Carolina with Mr. Nose. <laughs> I don't know if we had that. Only thing I remember what we had was Mr. Rogers, and he wasn't telling me to think positive. He was telling me to take my shoes off and put them on the corner. Right. Yeah, before you walk in the door. And I still do that to this day. I don't right. like walking around my house with shoes on. Thanks, Mr. Rogers. When I think back to when I was younger, something that should, that, that I still believe or do today, I would definitely say it was not to curse around certain people. Okay. When, when me and my brother were young, we were walking down the street one day with our friends and this wasn't elementary school. I I think this was more so like middle school. Um, I can't think of nothing from elementary school. So I'm gonna just tell this story. We was walking down the street, right? With our friends. And when I say cussing, we was cussing. Mm-hmm. F U B. What you say, bitch? Uh, I mean, like we was, we was, we was letting the mother effers fly, you know. <laughs> and it was a woman walking behind us, unbeknownst to us, you know. And she was walking behind us, and we was going in. We never turned around and seen her. Like, I, who was the bitch? I don't know, right? <laughs> so we got home. And then maybe like the next day, you know, we said bye to our friends. All right, see you tomorrow. I bitch, you know. And then we went. <laughs> and, and, and about the next day or maybe like a day after, maybe like two days later, this woman that went to bingo with my grandmother, she told my grandmother, mm. yeah, I was walking down the street and I seen your grandkids and they was cussing up a storm. And I mean, cursing, cursing, like mother effers and B's and S-H-I-T's and all kinds of stuff, right? No, 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 let me back up. Before she said that we were cursing, she said, I saw your grandkids. So my, mm-hmm. my grandma was like, okay. And she was like, yeah. And they was cursing. And she mm-hmm. said, well, what the motherfucker say? Answer <laughs> <laughs> so And she started telling all the stuff that we said. So, she, you know, my grandma came home from bingo and she woke us up and she was like, yeah, I heard you was walking down the street cursing. And I was like, I started to say, that mother effing lady is a liar. <laughs> but I was like, she, right. I was like, she lying. And she was like, oh no, I know she ain't lying because I know you mother effers curse, right? And I'm thinking in my head the whole time, this is why we curse because you like, I know you mother effers <laughs> curse, right? After that, that experience taught me be mindful when you're cursing in public and it, and it taught me not to curse around adults like that. So to this day, I curse in public, but if there's a lot of people around, I keep the cursing to a minimum or I say it real low. Like I'll say, you know, yeah, I ain't going over there. 
And then I say, because these mother effers, you know. (laughs) So that always stuck with me. Like, you never know who is around you. So be mindful what you do or what you say, because somebody is always watching. That's dope. Mm. That is dope. But how old were you again? We had to be like, I mean, early middle school, probably like sixth grade. Okay. I was about to say, because yeah, that's about when at the time I started cussing. I mean, I was probably cursing before that. I'm going to be yeah, very honest. Was I wasn't cussing yeah. before that. I wasn't cussing until I got to middle school. And you know, it's funny. I don't even, I rarely cuss on my podcast. And I cussed one time on my podcast. I think I said, F-. I know I, I said, man, she get on my fucking nerves. Right. And my dad heard the podcast and he called me. He was like, yeah, I was listening to your podcast today, son. He's like, uh, I didn't know you curse. <laughs> like, Dad, I'm grown. Right, because you don't like, as much as I curse, and I curse a lot, mm-hmm. I try to be mindful of cursing on the show, and I try, and I don't curse around my mom. Like, if I curse around my mom, I say, Mom, I got to tell you this story, and I got to say it the way that it, you know, okay. that, that it comes out. And she'll be like, all right, and then I'll, be, I'll curse. And then even after that, I feel like, Damn, I just cursed. And she does it every okay. time. Okay. And her <laughs> mom be like, her mom be like, Maya, say it. Like, right. Is, but every time you're like, excuse me, mom. Sorry, mom. Hit mom. Like, you, that, you know what that is? That's respect. That's what I, I same here. I don't I don't curse in front of my mom. I just don't. That's my, <laughs> my first language was cuss. <laughs> right. That's what I'm shit, saying. It's, move you know. over. Damn it. Get you know, I was in you know, kindergarten was rough. <laughs> they had, no, I'm serious. Like they really had because I was just cussing like regular. Like what's that crayons and shit? Like <laughs> just always. And what's funny is my dad doesn't cuss at all, and he always talks about how his father. He went to my grandpa's job or something, and he overheard his father say hell in a conversation, and he didn't know that my dad was there, and he was like, "Oh, sorry, son." you know, whatever. And I was just looking at him like, that's whack. And he's always, exactly. And he's always trying to tell me, you know, about my cousin. And I just was like, in this, I don't mean no harm. And I'm really not trying to be disrespectful or nothing, but like you knew my mom. Right. Right. Okay. So you knew my mom and my mom raised me. So if you was really concerned about my cousin, you did something about it back then. You know what I mean? Like Like Sophie, Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, (laughs) but yeah, so yeah, but I don't know. I remember that um, uh, what, something I learned very, very young in a school, the first grade, is if you impress the right people, you can go far. Mm-hmm. And don't waste your yeah. time trying to impress the wrong people, the people that don't matter. I learned very young about the people who matter. And it's something I learned in the first grade. My teacher was Miss Tanksley at H.P. Wilson. And me and the girls sat next to me, like we, I was always, I was always real good in school. So I always finished my work fast. And, you know, then I would talk to this girl. So I'm just assuming she finished too, because she got left back. Oh my mm, <laughs> damn. <laughs> I got straight A's and an F in conduct. She got straight F's, I guess. I don't know. But she, she got left back. And she was like, girl, because we was always talking. You passed? I was like, yeah, bitch. Yeah. Like, what? I was finished by work. But even though, you know, my teacher didn't like let me off, you know, I still got an F in conduct. But even though she didn't let me off, I learned, you know, she taught me how to use my intelligence to work for me and how not to, you know, worry about 
impressing like the little people. So, and that's something that stuck with me. And so everywhere I, I went when I was in, I was in student government when I was young. And, you know, I learned that people who are in power positions, they like big words. They like you to look nice. They look like you to walk straight, you know, really have a presence. And I learned that very, very young. Like I was in high school shopping at Petite and Sophisticate. Mm. Exactly. Because I wanted to be like my mom. And I, you know what I mean? Like my mom always had presence to me. And mm-hmm. so I learned that very, very young. And that so that, that does shape who I am today, Good. even though I cuss. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. Exactly. Kyle, you don't cuss like us. Nah. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying it's really like regular. It's our native tongue, really. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Ridiculous. So let's move on to sports and activities. Hey, that's you. I told you he was a football star. <laughs> Get your letters and your trophies out. So what did you do and what did it teach you? Uh, I played football. Um, I played football. I started playing football at the age of eight years old, organized football. Um, And what was weird was, uh, and I'll never forget it. Like when I went to go, I told my parents that I wanted to play. And my mom, she wasn't really with it. (laughs) She was like, you know, you're going to get hurt. Because I was small. I mean, like I was really, really small. And my dad was like, are you sure you want to play? And I was like, yeah, I want to play. And uh, because, you know, just like any other kid playing in the neighborhood. And so the weight limit where I played was 60 pounds. Well, the problem was I only weighed 52 pounds. Mm. (laughs) So (laughs) so I my parents had to sign a waiver basically saying that they wouldn't sue the park if I got hurt. And um, Mm. And they signed it. Yeah, they signed it. I, well, I, they were gonna have to sign it at that point because I was re- I was in. Yeah, I was all in by that point. I was like, it wasn't no turning back at that point. Mm-hmm. But um, but uh, yeah, I played football and I played football from the age of eight all the way through high school, through college uh, at South Carolina State University. Uh, that's my alma mater. Um, shout out to HBCUs and um, and so football was that was my sport. I ran track in high school a little bit, but I ran track just to you know kind of stay in shape for football. But uh, football was the um, – and I played baseball for two years. Now, my dad will tell you, if he talks to you, he will tell you that he thinks that I would have been a better baseball player than I was football player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think so because uh, baseball just – you know, baseball was dope. But the problem was at the age that I was playing baseball, I think I was like 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens is, is that – and you see it a lot where for black kids – they stopped playing because their friends stopped playing. Mm-hmm. And so I looked around and I was, I was like, I was like, there's only two coloreds on the team. Right. I was like, okay. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this ain't happening. This ain't popping, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, so baseball kind of fell to the wayside, but uh, football has always been, um, it, it was always been there. So uh, what did I learn from football? Um, honestly, I learned everything from football. Football taught me so much. And I think athletics in general will teach you a lot if you allow it to teach you. I mean, it taught me discipline. It taught me, uh, you know, self-love. It taught me how to work as work, you know, within a team frame, um, taught me how to get along with people. Um, Mm -hmm. and it just taught me just, you know, the basic fundamentals of life that, you know, you have to, if you work hard, it'll pay off. I mean, it sounds, I mean, it's cliche, Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, but it's true. And, you know, you can't get anything. Football doesn't, it's like, it's, it's, it, 
very much to me mirrors life. Like what you put into it is really what you get out of it. You know, you can't practice. If you practice like shit, you're going to play like shit. You know, mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. it's not. So I have a deeper level of appreciation for the game. And um, it taught me a lot. It taught me humility, uh, you know, because it's a humbling sport. It's a sport where, you know, you can be, you know, <laughs> on top one minute and down the next minute. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you have to kind of deal with the emotions of, I mean, you you ladies know because you watch football and you're fans. The emotions of the game can overwhelm you at yes. times if you let it, you know, even just as for us as fans, because I'm also a fan of the game. Uh, you know, you watch your favorite team and your level of emotions, you know, you're up one minute and then you're down the next as you watch your team lose the game. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, it taught me everything. It taught me um, uh, time management. One of the mm-hmm. biggest things I had a coach, uh, shout out to Coach Wells, uh, who passed away. My um, high school football coach, he used to tell me, he said, uh, you know, you always have to have respect for time. Time waits for no man. Yeah. So he instilled in us like, look, if you got somewhere to be at eight o'clock, you be there at seven forty-five. Mm-hmm. If you get on, if if you arrive on time, you're late. So mm-hmm. that was the thing. So I, so even now, I'm a stickler for time. You know, I like to be at work <laughs> on time. <laughs> on time. <Yeah. laughs> 2019's been good to me. I've been okay. there on time too, and, and I'm proud of you. Yeah, thank you. Right, <laughs> so proud of you. So uh, it, it taught me a lot. It, it the game is. Um, it's changed a lot, obviously. Uh, and again, I'm I'm a huge fan of football, and so I, I my Sunday, my Saturdays and Sundays are spent, you know, watching football a lot. But uh, but no, I love the game. It, it was it, it's it was it was good to me, and I, I I took a lot from I put a lot into football, but I took a lot from it as well. So it was really really uh, it's, a, it's a huge part of me. Nice, I think playing sports and being in activities can teach you those things. And so it is important for like young people to get involved. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was in high school, I was a cheerleader. Okay. And um, varsity. And um, (laughs) excuse me. I I was the captain, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I did it. I did it. Um, I was also in the band, did that too. I was, what instrument did you play? Uh, tenor saxophone and the clarinet. Nice. I played the clarinet at first, you know, elementary school and middle school. And then I moved on up to the tenor saxophone when I was in high school. And um, I also sang in school. You know, I mean, I did a lot of activities in school. And those activities, much like you said, Kyle, taught me some of the same things. It definitely taught me how to be in a team setting. And it also taught me how to be a leader, you know, uh, because I had worked my way up to be a captain and then I'm just naturally bossy. So even if I wasn't the captain, (laughs) I would be, you know, even if I wasn't the captain, I would have still been like the captain because I mean, that's just my personality. So it it taught me how to be a leader and, and not a follower. And it taught me, I, I guess it didn't teach me time management skills, but but back then I had time management skills. I, I was doing good. It was just when I moved to Virginia that it just hit the shambles. <laughs> I don't know what happened. on Virginia. It is. No, I'm, this is serious. It is serious. I was never late in New Jersey. Virginia has made me late. It's the traffic. But no, um, like I said, I think that sports and activities are very important. And, and it 
much like you said, Kyle, has shaped me into the person that I was. Looking back on that time and just the camaraderie that you have with people uh, being in that setting. So it taught me how to get along with others, you know, work well with others. Um, I like to do things by myself, but it's, you know, nothing like being on a team and being rewarded for that. So, yeah, that's kind of what it taught me, too. How about you, um I wish I wish my story was as cushy and nice. <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting here looking like, oh, oh. Come on now, you did me. something, baby. You did well, something. For I, I did a whole lot of things, but I'm just saying what it what it taught me was, I think that um, I, first of all, let me speak to your baseball thing because I like teachable moments. Do you know baseball is the only sport that did not successfully integrate? Black people were really into baseball when we had Mm -hmm. the Negro Leagues. Mm -hmm. But when they integrated baseball, it just did not work for us. And that's why they call it America's sport. But anywho, um, I I was in the band as well, all four years of high school. I went to the Camden High School. We went to (laughs) London, participated in the New Year. Parade bringing in the year uh, 1990 on New Year's Day. Yes, a uh, hundred. So I take it you guys didn't go to high school together. In no, we did not. <laughs> a, a, she's older than me. She's older than me. But I B, I went to Woodrow High School. Um, the Orange and Black Tigers. But but anywho. Oh, this is so funny. Anywho, that's nice one. <laughs> Over there. Um, anyway, so I was I was in the band during football season and I was a cheerleader during basketball season because, of course, you want to be able to get into all the games. And I feel like I got the rest of my life to be cute. I am not going to be out there in the football games freezing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just was not going to happen. So I needed full uniform, spats, boots, helmets, all of that. And um. And plus, we were like an entertainment band. It was a lot of fun. So I played the flute not very well. Oh, wait. I played the drums in the ninth grade. I was all right. I played the flute in the 10th grade because our flute section was very small. Not very well. Okay. And uh, 11th and 12th grade, I was the drum majorette. Mm. Thank you. So when we were in London, New Year's Day, 1990, marching down Westminster Avenue. Start on them, B. Camden High School, the mighty purple and the gold. <laughs> anyway. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I was also I just be quiet. <laughs> Continue on. <laughs> I was also in student government. And I think of the things that I participated in in high school. And I also worked while I was in high school. So, um, but the thing I liked most was student government. And I learned that I participated in the band and cheerleading because I thought it was the right thing to do. That's what the popular people were doing. My best friend is very, 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 very popular. Me, not so much. They just know me because of her. We were always like together. And I just kind of thought that was the thing to do. Um, And what I learned was, you can always get by. You know, I learned that, you know, when people, when you don't have to be excellent, mediocre will be acceptable. And mm-hmm. I really didn't like that. And I enjoyed student government because I was always good at like problem solving and talking to people, negotiations and things like that. You know, the leadership kind of things. And so I learned then that I wanted to do something with influence. 
Okay. You know, so that's what, you know, my high school participations taught me. Again, the Camden High School class of 1991. Thank you. <laughs> I, you know, I forgot to mention, uh, and when Maya said it, I did kind of went back to it. Uh, I was actually in the honors course in high school uh, oh, for four years. And, and don't ask me to sing because I'm not going to sing. <laughs> but uh, so we had a real quick story. We had a game. Um, we were supposed to have tryouts for all state chorus and all state chorus. You go and you like I sang bass. And so they pair you with another with a tenor, uh, mm-hmm. alto and a soprano. And you they give you this piece that you've never seen. So you have to sight read it. And, you know, if you do well, you know, you, and you're scored by a panel of judges. If you do well, then you make all state chorus. And so we were we had auditions that Saturday. Well, the Friday night, the night before we had a game and, you know, we're killing this team and, you know, I'm having a good game and something happened. And I was on like the punt team and this guy hit me Mm -hmm. and he hit and the guy was smaller than me, which is relatively small. (laughs) So (laughs) so he hit me and and like he hurt my jaw. So my mm. jaw was hurting. So I was like, you know, it wasn't broken or anything. It was just really, really sore. And so I really wasn't trying to talk too much after the game. And then uh, I had to audition the next day for, for uh, All oh, State Chorus. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to sing because, like, even just opening my mouth just slightly was, like, killing. I had to take, like, painkillers. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to take medicine. Well, yours truly goes to the audition, kills it, and makes All State Chorus. <laughs> Uh, well, look at you, Kyle. With a bad jaw. Killed it. <laughs> That's my story. <laughs> a bad jaw. You was out there singing damn tenor. Yep. Mm. And you must have learned, you, you, like you learned that from football. That's yeah. right. You got take one for the team. Just yeah. go ahead and do it. You you never know until you try. Sing injured. Go ahead, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Offline, I need to hear the song. Just saying. <laughs> she is so serious. I cannot remember the name of that. So it was a, it was a it was a uh, a classical piece, I think, but it was something we hadn't seen before because they try to give you sheet music that you you know that you can't practice. So uh-huh. they just want to be they want to see if you can read music basically because most people can sing, yeah, but they, they sing can. by ear, but they can't sing and read. So right. Damn, you, you, you talented, you, right? You, 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 you a smarty audience type. Huh? Oh, okay. I'm supposed to say the same thing. I did a few like, oh. <laughs> Okay, so tell me this, Kyle. When did you first feel like a grown up? Who man, grown up. Um, had to been the fall of 1993. I was at South Carolina State University. Uh, came home one weekend. And my mom handed me the keys to the car. Mm. And she was like, you can take it back. I was like, word. Yeah. <laughs> you can, I could take this car to school. I mean, like I, you know, because in South Carolina, I think the I think the driving age was, I think you get your, I think I got my license at 15, but I, I remember driving at 13. But I, I was just driving like 13? around the corner. Yeah, 13. Yeah. Just, but that was just like going around, because, you know, your mom sent you around the corner to get some cigarettes or uh, some liquor. around the corner illegal? Okay. <laughs> so, and again, now, I grew up in a place, Florence, South Carolina. It wasn't like, you know, it's a heavy populated place. So it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to, you know, it's not like I had to cross over the expressway just to go where I was going. So you could literally drive in your neighborhood and, you know, be fine, not have to worry about police or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, I was, I was, um, 
when she gave me the keys, that was the first time that I'm, so I'd driven before. So that wasn't a problem. I drove, you know, in high school, whatever, but I never had my own car, mm-hmm. but, uh, it was, uh, what was it? Like a 1987 Nissan Sentra. It was light blue, Carolina mm-hmm. blue. And, um, came home and she gave me the keys and she was like, you can take it back. I was like, word. She was like, look, let me tell you something. Don't let nobody drive your car. <laughs> right. right. Nobody. I mean, nobody. I don't, she was like, I don't care if your friends need a ride. She's like, you want to take them somewhere? You take them. She was like, but don't let nobody drive your car. So, um, so yeah, that's the first time the I car, huh? said what? Would you let drive the car? It's funny you ask. <laughs> <laughs> because I did let a young lady drive of my course. car because, you know, she had to. I don't know what she was doing, but she was like, you know, can I get your car? I want to go somewhere. Me and my friends going there. Her and her friends were going somewhere to eat. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think I think I had gotten out of football practice. I was in the dorm. And next thing I know, you know, I get a phone call. I'm thinking she's calling me to let me know that she's back on campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, she calls and tells me that she had an accident. And I said, well, what happened? I said, are you okay? She was like, yeah, I'm fine. She was like, but the car, um, she said, I think I broke the axle. Mm. I was like, how'd you manage to break the axle? She was like, you know, I hit the curb. Mm. She was like, I was turn- turning the curb and I hit the curb. You know, I turned too quick and hit the curb. And so I was like, damn, my axle. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm starting to do the numbers in my head. Like this is going to, at that time, it's going to cost me like $250, maybe $300. And I had, I mean, I'm a college student. I ain't got right. no money. And so I'm like, my mom is going to kill me. Because <laughs> the last thing she said to me before she gave me those keys mm. was, do not let anybody drive your car. And this was, so I got the car in 93. This happened in 95, right? And so the girl, so I ended up, you know, I got some money from somewhere. I won't, I won't mention it because of NCAA violations. Right. Uh, <laughs> I got the money from somewhere and paid for it, right? And my mom never knew about it. And the girl, you know, she never paid me back, but, you know, you know, she did. Were have... you dating this girl? Yeah, this is my girlfriend. You know what? I mean, we, this we, we're married thing. now, so it's Listen. okay. Oh. <laughs> she you still owed cool. me that money, though. That's right. First of all, you better have married her because I was going to say a man's downfall is always a woman. Always Your a woman. mom said, don't let nobody drive the car. Then not only did you let her drive it, you wasn't even in the car with her. Right. And she took her girls. Yeah. I mean, they're like five oh, my little mm, mm, mm. The oh. things that y'all would do for us. Adam oh. bit that apple. He wasn't hungry. And let me tell you, a woman will... Y'all are so... It's... It's the it's the gift and the curse, man. Yeah. I mean, just gotta it's understand. Like y'all are to us, we yeah. get it. I mean, you can't live with them, can't live without them. So you know, it's but it's all love. I mean, but I, I for a long time I didn't tell my mom. Not, I don't even think I think I told my mom after we got married. Oh, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> the car was long gone. She was like, okay, well, uh, I told you not to let nobody drive. So yeah, that, that was. That was so that yeah that was the time where I felt like a grown up I, when I got the keys and then being able to pay for an accident that I didn't have right. uh, with money that I didn't know how I was gonna get so yeah I, I felt yeah, that's I felt like a grown up shit yeah that's yeah. you worried about bills you worried about how that money gonna come in like oh when that come in we gotta get oodles and noodles mm-hmm. right <laughs> I can't, you know what I mean? yeah. that's real grown up shit mm-hmm. yep. yeah. 
So let me think. Listen, I tell you this all the time. The first time I felt like a grown up was in 1998. When I had to buy my first bra. I can't believe you told this story. Because that was the time. Let me tell you something. That was the time where I felt like it's all downhill from here. I was never one of those kids growing up who was like, oh, I want to be grown. I want to be grown. I want to be grown. Because I knew what it took to be grown. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew you was going to have less money. I knew you were going to have to have more responsibility. And so I just never was one of those type of kids growing up. I wanted somebody to take care of me. You know, mm-hmm. I was living in luxury. And you what are. I mean by luxury was, you know, my grandmother cooked, my mom cooked, you know, my grandmother did our laundry. Your grandpa took y'all uh, everywhere. My grandpa took us everywhere. I didn't have to get on a bus. You know, <laughs> like I was living it up. Do you hear me? <laughs> Even when I went to college, my mom, we had moved and my mom would be like, oh, you coming home? And I was like, uh, uh, I'm going to grandma's house. We had cable, you know, like, and my mom probably had that. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going over here. Like I got washer and dryer, mm, a big screen, meals cooked. You know what I'm saying? And we wasn't eating, we was eating, we was eating good stuff, not bull crap. So I was like living it up. And even though I worked since I was 14, because in my mind, I always wanted to have my own money, but I didn't want to spend my money. You know, it was good that other people were doing stuff for me. But the first time when I went to college and I I needed a bra and I was like, damn, let me go to the store. And when I see how much bras cost, I said, "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) why does this cost so much? And anyway, I brought it. And that was when I first felt like. It's literally all downhill from here. Mm-hmm. This was 20 some dollars. I'm going to have to spend another 20 some dollars to buy this again. And mm-hmm. I've been paying bills ever since. And it sucks. That was literally the first time that I felt like a grown up. I just want to say that the, the longer we go into these questions and stuff, the more I feel separate from society because <laughs> y'all really got me thinking I'm a weirdo. I think that for me growing up, I didn't think about things as like, first of all, I've been adult since I was 13, but I didn't think of it as adulting. I think that, you know, I always thought like life was a growth process. You know, people, when you can get working papers, you work, you pay bills, whatever right. bills you have at that age. And it was just like, I didn't think of it as adulting. I just thought it was like, the progression of life. That's just what happens. You know what I mean? So um, I've worked since I was 13. I moved away from home the summer between the seventh and eighth grade, never been back home. Mm. Um, I, you know, so I always kind of paid my way through life. I was married, had children. Even when I was married, had children, I just felt like, you know, this is life. And I'm going to tell you, and I've been in my house now for <laughs> 10 years. When did we move? 2008? So I'm coming up on 11 years. So I remember when we were getting ready for Thanksgiving, I called my aunt and, you know, we're getting the menu together. And I was like, you know, hey, auntie, whatever. Okay, what you want me to bring? Now, mind you, I am grown with my own home, two children, you know, whatever. And she was like, oh, you can make the yams. What? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) I just was looking at the phone like, what? I can't believe I got to make something. Not yet. First of all, I have to cook something. And secondly, it's like an important part of the meal. Yes, the yams. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm just looking around at my house and I was in the kitchen. I will never forget it. I was standing at the, the island and I was just like, yams? Right. And it was like, <laughs> it was like something came over me that like I never like I never cooked in my life. Like, well, how many yams do I buy? Right. <laughs> what goes in yams? How do you make yams? <laughs> do I bake the yams? Do I get the, like, get the, oh my gosh, what if they don't like the yams? <laughs> oh yeah, because you know everybody's going to eat those yams. Right. <laughs> you have no idea how my family is. Like, they, oh my gosh, these people, what I was, he screamed out across the table, like, yeah. yo, and they never forgot it, like ever. <laughs> exactly. So, mm. And that's when I was like, first of all, if we still had Thanksgiving like we used to, I would still be at the kiddie table. And I'm making yams? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is some bullshit. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> exactly. And I felt, that's when I felt like, um, like I'm, I'm, I, I'm Aunt Kathy and them. Like, I'm a, wow. a grown-up. And, yeah, that's when I was like, oh, no, this is crazy. So I think ever since then, I started adapting the term like adulting now i really realize like what it is and mm-hmm. yeah i'm i'm certified now i didn't make yams and well, I've how, had how did the yams come out did it come out okay from what i remember listen from what i remember the yam she's still coming to thanksgiving dinner okay. so exactly. the yams had to be decent say, they let me because <laughs> if they wasn't good right 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 she wouldn't be invited I back I did that story on the podcast long <laughs> ago I remember that year when you made them yams and it was messed up uh, mm-hmm. so they was they was they was decent Kyle they was decent okay yeah. okay well I mean and and, and I, I saw your your IG story y'all y'all have a good time y'all we like does. y'all yeah, y'all do. get down and I'm and and from what I could tell, y'all look like the fan, the kind of family that's not gonna hold back if the yams ain't hitting. No, we ain't. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. And do something. And won't it come up every time? Every time we see you, every, every gathering. Like, ah, ah. We could joke. be at the dentist. It'd be like, remember that year you made them damn nasty? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's how we are. It is. It's oh, funny. Yeah. So we have two more, and okay. let's just run them together. So. Falling in love for the first time and your first heartbreak. Oh, man. Um, falling in love for the first time. Man, she was brown skinned. She had dimples. She weighed hey. about a pound. Um, <laughs> I would throw her in the air and catch her and run. I would tuck her. You know, I'm talking Skyler. about. I'm talking yes. about. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about Skylar. <laughs> uh, no, no, Sky Skyler is a different kind of love. That oh my gosh, that I the love for Skyler is that is it's really hard to put into words. That is um and that's my daughter for those I, that she's seven at the time of this recording. Um and I guess for me, uh the the love that you have, you know, the love that you have for your parents and, and is different and the love that you have for your kids is different, but uh, I've always kind of admired, um, you know, women who have, you know, great relationships with their fathers. And, you know, that's what I always wanted to aspire to have. And then when I, when we finally had a daughter, because she's the last one, that's what I want. And we have a, a great relationship. And she just, uh, she she melts my heart. I mean, that's, that's, she is something else. Now, she understands that she runs me. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, like a perfect example. Like a couple of days ago, she was like, 
Daddy, I think we should have some ice cream after dinner. And I was like, well, Skylar, we don't need any ice cream. And she, I was like, we don't have any. She was like, we can go to the store and get some. And I was like, Skylar, it's cold outside. We really don't need any ice cream. And she was like, well, I think we should have some. And she just kept saying, she was just like, I think we should have some. I think it, it would be nice. And, and you haven't had some in a while. <laughs> And I'm like, where's this little girl going with all of this? And next thing you know, guess to the who, store. Guess who's in the store getting some damn ice cream? Exactly. So, um, but no, my first love was, uh, yeah, it, it was football. Uh, I mean, it, and it, it's kind of weird to say that, and people always kind of look, but look kind of crazy when you say that. But yeah, that was the first thing that I fell in love with. It was just, and I still have a love for football. So it's just. It's, it's something magical. So football was there long before any girls came. Uh, the first girl I can think I was just really crazy about. I'm not going to say her name because she might listen to this. Mm. <laughs> but um, she was really, really nice. And we were really good friends. And this was like the first girl that I can remember was just like crazy about me. And I was crazy about her. And I'll never forget, like, we had a school dance in the eighth grade. And, um, that was and so we was... Oh, nice. <laughs> So we were, we were slow dragging and, uh, I never get, uh, Freddie Jackson came on and, uh, yeah. And so I slid my, my hand, my hand down, grabbed the ass and uh, it was, it was, it was, was the chaperones at this party. Oh he, 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 you, you one step ahead of me, ah. uh, Miss Johnson, who was one of the chaperones, she came and she removed my hands from her ass. Ah. And, <laughs> and so she was like, don't you do that again, young man. And, um, and I remember just that night, like we, you know, we kissed on the dance floor and it was really, really cool. And I, I mean, like we slobbed on the dance floor. So in the eighth grade, really? <laughs> in the eighth grade yeah, that was, like, that was like my first slob, man. So, um, and she had so then, so here's the funny part. So that night I was just like, so amp, I was just like on cloud nine and, um, I went home and, you know, typical little boy didn't shower or anything, just went straight to bed. <laughs> and, like, my girl, she had a jerry curl. <laughs> <laughs> and so I laid down. And when I laid down, I went to sleep. And the next morning, I had, like, some activate on my face. <laughs> and my face was stuck to the pillow, pillowcase. So I had to peel my face off my pillow the next morning. <laughs> You had this soul glow going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you was happy about it. Too, oh, I was happy. I mean, I was happy. I mean, I was. <laughs> I was in eighth grade, busting mm. slobs on the dance floor with Freddie Jackson. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, right? Mm. And uh, yeah, we we were really really cool and just really good friends. And she was she was like the first girl I can remember just really was just crazy about me, and I was just crazy about her. And we would get on the phone and we would talk for long periods of time. And, um, but yeah, that, that was like the first little, you know, first one to kind of warm up your boy's socks, you know? So. Mm. Mm. And uh, what about your first heartbreak? Heartbreak. That's not, that one's interesting. I, I, I gotta go back to football. It happened on the football field. Just long story short, we had this game that we were winning. No, we were actually behind. And, um, and so we're, we were down by five points and we were driving the ball down the field. So we're going, I catch a pass and I get out of bounds and the clock is against us. So the time is winding down. Okay. So then we had their defense on their heels basically. And so coach called a timeout, called up a play and this play, the ball is coming to me. I know it's coming to me. 
So I'm running a post pattern. So what I'm doing is I'm going across the, the deep, I'm going deep across the middle. Mm-hmm. And so quarterback snaps the ball, I'm running, and Maya, but B, I am wide open. Mm. I mean, ain't nobody around me, ain't nobody. I mean, I the guy who was guarding me fell down, right? Mm. So I'm wide open. So the quarterback sees me and he throws it. And when I say that ball was, it was like everything was just in slow motion. Everything was in slow motion. And I was just as I was just about to catch it mm. from the other team, stepped in front of it, and intercepted the pass. Mm. And I'm literally in the end zone and I fall down and I ain't even try to get up and tackle him. I was just, I, I was crushed. And they, so they won it because it was only like 40 seconds left in the game. So uh-huh. after that, the game was over. And I'm not the emotional type, but when I say I cried after mm-hmm. that, oh That's my right. God. Crying. <laughs> God damn. I was hurt. I was, that was like the first heartbreak. That was, um, yeah, that that one was tough. That one was tough. I uh, didn't have any girl heartbreaks until later on in life. But um, mm. yeah, that one. And, and you know what? To be honest, that still bothers me to this day. <laughs> <laughs> we can tell. We can tell. I you told that story. story. You was like, like yes. me too. I, I was, was like, I felt like I was watching it. And you know, exactly. you know, and the salt in the wound was I get to South Carolina State University, and I actually meet the guy who intercepted the pass. Mm. He's at South, he's at he's actually there on a basketball scholarship. And we we got to be real both of us were business majors. We got to be real cool. But um and he, you know, so every time he see every time he would see me, he would when he found out I was from Florence and I went to Wilson High School, uh yeah. we talk about it. Yeah. And um yeah, so I, I'm I still don't, you know, it's it's not a fond memory, but uh yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I got over it. I think <laughs> Maya would have seen him on campus and been like, "Bitch!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, shout out to Miguel. Miguel's cool though. He's cool. Yeah, because I'm not that forgiving. But um, I mean, he was doing his job. He's just playing a game. Exactly. Yeah, just one of those things. But I took that hard. Like, I mean, I went home. I cried all the way home. I just, I ain't, I ain't want to talk to nobody. My Still girlfriend called. crying. Mm-mm. And I don't cry. And now, you know, like I said, stuff doesn't bother me like that to, to the point where I'm brought to tears. But yeah, I was, ooh, I was hurt. Well, remember what Mr. News it or no. <laughs> Maya, wasn't nothing positive about that. We took the L. <laughs> <laughs> the positive uh, that I walked off the field in, my, in good health. That's exactly. about as good as I could be. Because everything exactly. else downhill. <laughs> when I think about my first love, <sighs> I say my first love had to be when I was 12 years old. Oh, no. <laughs> I, was, I was 12 years old. He was in the range of older, you know. And when whoa, I say whoa, whoa, older, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, how, how much older? Like, like my god sister be like, he was 27. He wasn't 27, but he was definitely 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. <laughs> so listen, his name was Nick. Tall. He was like a light brown. He was everything. I mean, he looked good with a T at the back of it. And every day I would walk to this Chinese store on 28th Street from school and I would get an egg roll and a mystic. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> we get an egg roll and a mystic, extra duck sauce. 
And so every time I walked out, me and my girls, I would look across the street. He would smile. I would smile. And then, you know, we would giggle like schoolgirls. Oh, my God. Did you see Nick? Did you see Nick? Well, one day, and I loved him like a deep down in your soul love, right? I would dream about him, just think about him like he was everything. So one day I went to the Chinese store. I walked in to get my egg rolling mystic. When I came out, who was standing there? Nick. But this day he was like, hey, Slim, <laughs> let me get a sip of that mystic. And I was like, this mystic? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. So I sashayed my little ass across the street and I was like, here, I wasn't scared. I just put it out there, put it to him. And his ass took a sip of the mystic. I, I, listen, <laughs> when he took a sip of that mystic, I thought that I was just going to pass out right there. But I didn't. Uh-huh. I kept my cool. I kept my cool. And I was like, you like that? And he was like, yeah. He was like, thanks. And I was like, no problem. We walked off. When I got around the corner, oh, my God. I saved that mystic bottle until I was about 16. Wow. Definitely until I was about 16. Then I was like, because my girlfriend was like, you going to throw it away? And I was like, hell no. (laughs) He drunk out of, like, I could not believe that he drunk out of that bottle. So all the time, I thought I was his girlfriend. Like, you drunk out of Mystic Bottle, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And he used to have this girlfriend named Myra, and I hated her. I didn't know this, <laughs> I didn't know this girl. I did not know this girl. I was I hated her. I was like, she wanna be me, B. That B wanna, because you know by that time I was cussing. So I was like, that B wanna be me. Her name is Myra, like Maya. And that's because he really wanna be with me, but he stuck. I was like, oh. it was a thing. That was my first love. My first heartbreak was. Cry him too because I went back around there one day and he wasn't there. He had got locked up, right? Oh, but I didn't know. I didn't know. I just knew I wasn't seeing him no more. And I was going there every day with my egg roll and my mystic. And after a while, the egg roll wasn't good and the mystic wasn't good because I wasn't seeing him. Then I found out he was locked up and I was like, I should write him. He need me right now. He needs me. <laughs> you know what I mean? He he going through something. He need me to be there for him because Myra probably ain't doing shit. Um, so that probably was my first heartbreak. Damn. Mm. Mm. Wow. I'm, all wow. I'm saying is this is how you know that we, you know, you grow up. This is how you know you're grown up because like just hearing when she tells this story, I just be like, so you ain't think it was nothing wrong with Nick being in his 20s, hanging out at the Chinese store every day. I'm just <laughs> saying. <laughs> First of all, he lived That's where the weight got dropped off at. <laughs> right. He lived two doors down. He was outside in his neighborhood. Now the man can't be outside of his neighborhood. After school, why wasn't he working? Oh, he, he was, was working. working. He, was working <laughs> he was working. First of all, don't talk about him. I loved him at the time. I loved him. But let me tell y'all. I look back at him. I seen a picture of him not too long ago. I look back. I was like, Mm-mm, I dodged a bullet with that one. Oh, man. Really? Ladies and gentlemen, we found out that Nick went on to become a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> he gave up the drug game for the rap game. Right. So that was that was my first love and my first heartbreak. What about you, Bid? I don't know if I ever fell in love. What? I was married. I don't know if I ever. I, you know, love. I have. I have. But I was. it was after I was married. 
Mm-hmm. It was it was after I was married, and um, and I knew it was love because, like, literally, if I didn't see him or we weren't talking or something, I would really like feel nauseous. Mm. Yes, it was like I really felt physical pain, and um, yeah, I really loved that dude. It felt like you know physically physically painful at the time, the breakup or whatever. But I think my first heartbreak really was now when I was young, I didn't have you know the great self esteem that I have today. Okay. I just you know I was skinny, still wearing undershirts in high school. You know I sucked my fingers until like yesterday, so I felt like I had buck teeth and. You know, so I wasn't really like I didn't have a whole lot of self-confidence. But my sister used to always tell me, like, what is wrong with you? You're pretty. You're pretty. And I'd be like, oh, they keep calling me pretty. They teasing me. And she's like, shut up. You're dumb. You are pretty. And I was like, no, I'm not. Whatever. But boys tended to like me. And I really didn't know how to, like, deal with that because I was still a tomboy and all this other kind of stuff. So but I remember when I got to high school and I liked a boy and he didn't like me. Mm. I really could not process that. Like, clearly, he don't see me. What is is wrong with him? Exactly. And I mean, really, I think I did some things that, like, may have really been embarrassing to get his attention or whatever. But yeah, like, he gave me like no play, and I was devastated. Like, I can't even believe this. Where is he now? Looking like a mole child. Exactly. He too but became I, a rapper. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It was, yeah, it was like devastating. And he graduated with Mickey. Okay. And you know, like every year our family goes down to um Wildwood uh, for the that convention thing that we go down there for. And we saw him down there and Mickey was hollering like, hey. I was like, I wasn't gonna say nothing. He was with his family and all that other kind of stuff, whatever. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say nothing. And you know, Mickey, she was like, "Hey," mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my gosh, hey, how you doing?" Yeah, like, "Hey, how you doing?" I can't believe I liked you. <laughs> exactly, but that really was crushing. You know, I blame all the boys that liked me before because they really had me all pumped up. Mm. Like, I really couldn't believe it. Well, that was his loss. That was his loss because you're right about that. All right. This is the last question. Okay. This is it. How is your life today compared to what you thought it would be? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I think, uh, I think when I look back on it, like, for example, like I had, my parents were, they were together up until I was 13. So, and then they got divorced. And so I grew up in a house with a mother and father, at least in my formative years, basically. So I envisioned myself, you know, having a wife. I knew I'd have a son. I I just knew that off the bat. But I just knew that, like, you know, that 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 was basically going to take place, that I was going to get married and have a son and I would work. Um, I didn't, (laughs) you know, unlike unlike a lot of kids, I didn't have like the aspirations of you know, going to the NFL or anything like that. I just, I love playing ball and I knew that I wanted to get married, work and live in New York city. And that's Mm. all that I wanted to do. I didn't, I didn't like think beyond that. I wanted to be a veterinarian, um, because Mm. I love animals. Um, 
I hate science though. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, already then. <laughs> so, but I didn't realize that at, at like seven, you know, I just knew, mm. I just knew snakes were dope. <laughs> so, uh, but I guess I, it's pretty much played out the way that I probably thought it would. Uh, you know, I didn't, if you would have told me at eight that I'd be married and living in Atlanta and have four kids, you know, I would have, I was like four kids, Who's that? <laughs> three boys and a girl who's doing that. Um, but they are, you know, my heartbeat. So it, it's, I mean, that's, that goes without saying, but, um, it, no, I, I think it's kind of played out the way that I probably thought it would. I didn't, I knew I'd be doing something. I knew I'd be working and having a career. I didn't know what that would be. Um, I never thought I'd get into the financial field. Um, but it, I, honestly, I think it is pretty much played out the way that I thought it would back then. But, you know, when you're young, you just you don't really we weren't necessarily encouraged to think you had to think beyond the next day. But you didn't think about your five or 10 or 15 year or 20 year plan. So mm-hmm. uh, you just kind of took it day by day. And, um, you know, I wanted to see things better, at, you know, particularly coming from the South. I wanted to see things better for me and my people. And, you know, I got a, got a chance to see a black president. Mm-hmm. And I also got a chance to see this, this country go backwards. You know, so, yes. you know, we've seen a lot and we've been through a lot. And, you know, but I think from my childhood, I, I would I would definitely say it's, it's really panned out the way. Actually, it's better. It's probably better than I thought it would be. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely have to say that. Wow. Well, uh, well, I'm glad that your life panned out the way that you thought it was going <laughs> to be. I'm well, like, I am I'm not a veterinarian. Though, like, I'm not a veterinarian, though. Oh. Yeah, but you know what? You, you, you are what you were supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? You're and and look at all of the things that you are besides a veterinarian veterinarian you are a, you work in the finance field you are a blogger a podcaster you know a hip-hop historian yes. a former football player so you know you you got a lot going on other than being a veterinarian you could be a born <laughs> veterinarian sitting at home right. uh well you know what i'm saying right. so your life is right where it should be and mm. that's what i try to think about when i think about where my life is right now because it ain't nothing like I thought it was going to be. And it's crazy. It's nothing like I thought it would be, but everything that I thought it would be. Right. And that's how it's supposed to be. Right. So I definitely, growing up, did not think, I was not one of the little girls that thought about marriage and kids and none of that. I never planned out my wedding. I never, I knew that I probably would get married and I probably would have kids, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't something that was like, Oh yeah, you know, like oh, I'm, it's like a fairy tale. It wasn't like that to me. I always wanted to be living in a high-rise apartment with floor-to-ceiling windows, mm. wearing uh, fashionable suits, carrying a dope-ass briefcase, making a lot of money, and traveling. So I'm not married. I don't have children. It it'll probably come, but it's not something that I aspire to then, and it's not necessarily something that I aspire to now. And I feel like if it's in the will of the Lord, it'll be what it is. Indeed. Um, I do a lot of traveling, so that's something that I always knew that I was going to do. Career wise, no, I'm I I don't do anything near what I thought I was going to do. I definitely thought I was going to be working in advertising or at a big corporation and I don't and that's great because I've been in the corporate world and it's not for me but yeah I say it's everywhere it I didn't think it was going to be but everywhere 
that I knew it would be because while I'm not living that specific life, I'm living the life that I should be living, you know, and all of the things that I wanted were things obviously that I didn't need or I don't need yet. And if I did do need them, then they're coming. And so, yeah, my life compared to what I thought it would be, it's not, but it's not a bad life. I'll say that. Mm. Preach. But in 2019, I better get my damn boyfriend. Because in 2018, (laughs) I was supposed to get him and I didn't. And where are you at? Right. I need this trash taken out. He's listening to this podcast. All right. And she's wearing red pajamas. My life is nothing like I imagine. I never, like you, Maya, I never dreamed of that wedding day. I never wanted children. And I mean, I knew that was like a conscious decision. Like, I never wanted children. I always wanted to be a very, a very smart housewife. And um, and people always say, well, how are you going to be a housewife when you don't have any children? I was like, hence the term housewife. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> like, because um, if I got married and I think I, I looked at marriage more like a partnership. Mm-hmm. And if I got married, you know, my husband was just always going to be like a super achiever. And I was going to be that smart, entertaining person to help him get to where he's going. That's just something I I did not want to go to college. I wanted right after high school, I I thought I was on my way. I was like, I'm just going to sign up for the service, do my bid because I always liked, I worked since I was 13. I always liked buying my own stuff. I've never been a big shopper, but on my way to work, I worked like right outside of the mall. And so I would take the bus and I would have to walk through the mall to get to my job. And so if I saw something that I liked in a store, it'd be payday. I would go back, get that outfit. Like, that's what I want. Didn't matter how much it costs. And, you know, and I always liked that feeling, being able to get what I want Mm. and do what I want. So um, I think that clearly that is not what the Lord had in store for me, because not only did I get married young and I have children, but I have a son with special needs. And that has changed my whole life mm-hmm. because everything, my whole life, literally where I, everything that I am not, and I will always say like, Lord, I, you know, cause I'm a Sagittarian and we are like fly by the seat of our pants. Yes, country. we do. Yes, we do. But we, you know, it's like, you know, we can roll with the punches today. We want to do this, but we're not going to be locked in because tomorrow better opportunity will come and we'll do that. We'll talk to the person about the other thing. I'll get to it when I get back. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fabulous. You know, like all kinds of stuff like that. And that's the way I think I have a very, very active and creative mind. Um, but this boy has kept me grounded. Mm-hmm. I don't regret anything. You know, I love my children, but I think even now I am doing things now to pursue the life that I wanted mm-hmm. because my children are grown. I feel like I've done my job. I've done a great job. My children can take care of themselves. Um, uh, you know, Jiggy is fine. Um, but yeah, I just thought, I just thought that I would be jet setting here, there, everywhere, buying this entertaining corporate people so that my husband can get this deal and broker that deal. And, you know, that's just what I thought I would be doing. But now I'm a nurse. Like, oh my gosh. And that's something. But you know, it, it is something because we're, we're the three of us, 
we're blessed. Mm-hmm. If if for if for no other reason, we're blessed because we have lives that we got a chance to see. And there are probably we're probably a thousand people that we can think of that did not get the opportunity to see what we can see. And so even though we may not necessarily be in a rush to get to that job, the fact that, you know, we're (laughs) up and air is in our lungs and blood is in our veins. Mm -hmm. We we really got much to complain about at all. You are absolutely correct. And nothing wraps up the show quite like that. Kyle, let them know where they can find you at. You can find me in the club. <laughs> Stop. You can catch me hanging out on the Twitter streets uh, every now and then, I guess. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at 12Kyle, the number one, two K-Y-L-E. Uh, you can check out the podcast. It's called the 12Kyle Podcast. Uh, talk about a lot of different things. Uh, don't want to talk about a lot of sports. Uh, talk about you know relationships, people, um, music. I'm a huge hip-hop fan. Uh, talk about a little bit of everything. Uh, the podcast can be found on all platforms where podcasts are free. So, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, you name it, it's there. So, check it out. Yeah, make sure that you check out the 12 Kyle podcast. That's our boy, and he drops knowledge each and every week. And when do you drop an episode, Kyle? Let them know that. Oh, that, the podcast comes out every Thursday, every Thursday at midnight. That's when it comes out. So I have I make sure that I have a podcast coming out each week. So uh, and you know, like I said, it just it really depends on uh, what I feel like talking about that particular week. But um, I don't do any current events. So the cool thing about my podcast is that you can pick any podcast and just listen to it. And I mean, it's not dated. So it's not I don't t- you know, I'm not talking about the dude in the white house. I'm not talking about, you know, what happened on love and hip hop, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and it, the cool part about it for me is that I listen to other podcasts so I can keep abreast as to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as current events, but, um, but I keep it fresh. It's not anything that's dated. So, but, uh, every Thursday, that's when the podcast drops. Yeah. So be sure to check out 12 Kyle, uh, on his show. Kyle, we want to thank you so much for coming on and thank being our special guest. Me. I'm glad that we were finally able to make this happen. Yeah, it was great. Remember, y'all, y'all can follow us on social media. We are everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at We Did That Shit. Remember that you can follow me on my personal Twitter. It's MyMy13. That's M-Y-M-Y-1-3. And I'm at Babiamina. That's B-I-B-B-I-A-M- I-N-A. Remember that we drop an all-new episode each and every Monday, and you can also find us anywhere where you can listen to your free podcast. Like Bibby said in the intro, we are on iTunes. We are on what Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, Anchor. Anywhere where you can listen to a podcast, you can surely find We Did That Shit. We'll be here same time next week. Remember, be great this week. Do that shit. Yes. I love you, Maya. Love you, too. Hey. (laughs) I love you.